Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, the message is entitled, Lessons from an Ancient Songwriter. Today we're looking at Psalm 40, but we're also looking at how the process of songwriting can help us encounter God in our own lives, whether you're a songwriter or not. (laughs) Hey, don't forget... uh, this next week on Tuesday night, we have the opening night of the table. We're going to be having a meal, a talk, and a conversation about meaning, faith, and spirituality. Really looking forward to this. Uh, you can sign up at North Shore Vineyard and see you there. Let's head to the talk. North Shore Vineyard Church, downtown Covington. Thanks for listening. of y'all like music? See, that, that's, that's, a, that's an easy question. I don't know if I've, I've, I've ever met anybody that doesn't like music, and that, who would want to hang out with that person? Music, <laughs> no judgment, no judgment. God still loves you. The rest of us can't stand you, no. <laughs> but music is a powerful thing, isn't it? There is something about a good song that when you hear it, It has the power at certain moments in your life to amplify your emotions and to clarify some of the feelings deep within. Have you ever found that? Like you're driving down the road and a song comes on and it's like, yes, this is what I'm feeling. This is it. This person knows what I'm going through. I have. I mean, nobody raised their hand, but I've had that happen before. Music is wonderful for those things. And, and, and music, you know, because music is so much a part of the background of our lives. You know, if you go to Rouse's, you'll hear music playing in the background. You go to Starbucks, you'll hear music playing in the background. You call Charter to complain about your internet speed. They're going to make you listen to hold music. My, the bank that I go to, Regions Bank, I feel so sorry for these people. They've got one song that plays over and over on their little video there. And every time I come in there, I'm like, does this not bother you? One song? But they they just tune it out. But music is kind of the background of our lives, but there are those occasions when you get into a certain place in life, a certain set of circumstances converge. You're in a certain place emotionally, and when the right song comes on, it it can take you to a whole other place. So, say you, you met a girl, you're in love, you're infatuated, you're driving down the road because you've been, you've been dating a few times and now you're starting to feel like you're falling in love and you hear on the radio. a girl put your arm around her right now folks come on experience this moment 
And you'll be sitting there at the stoplight, and you'll be in your own world. And it doesn't matter, because when that song comes on the radio, you are feeling it. You're feeling your love. It's, it's not just a thought. It's an experience, and, and that experience has been amplified to 10. But it's not only when you're falling in love that a song hits the right spot. Then there's the time when that girl breaks your heart, or that guy, and you find yourself at home, on a Friday night with a gal and a bluebell. And it's dripping down your chin. You got a box of Kleenexes. And you're watching a sappy movie. And Adam knows what you're going through. Something told Had a nose. Had a nose. Something deep down in my soul should cry, girl. When I saw you and that girl walking down. Come on now. As the music plays, you realize that, that in spite of how bad you feel, that there's some other person in the world who gets you, who understands the pain that you're feeling. But it's not just heartbreak. It's not just falling in love. Sometimes in late September, we get one of those days after months and months of oppressive heat and humidity. You get one of those days where you wake up and it's not 89 degrees and 100% humidity. You wake up and it's 68 degrees outside and there's no humidity and the sun is shining. And you put Bill Withers on because Bill Withers understands and the what you're going through. My eyes. And then it's a lovely day. Something without water, love. Oh, feeling that today, huh? Bears heavy on my mind. Okay, that's the message. We're just going to listen to Bill Withers for this. Then I look at you, and the world's all right with me. Mm. Just one look at you. Y'all going to have to sing along here, though. When we get to the chorus, y'all. And I know it's going to be, it's going to be, come on, a lovely day. Got your message about the Rams, the Temptations, Etta James, and Bill Withers. We've had church now. We've had a church for sure. <laughs> but music, babe, I just sang a song about you and everything, my girl, and you weren't here to. <laughs> it is wonderful, the power of a song to speak to us. You know, I read a book years ago by a, a brain scientist, neurologist named Oliver Sacks. Great book called Musicophilia. Uh, if you ever saw a movie called The Awakenings uh, back in the 80s, it was actually based on Oliver Sacks' research into a lot of uh, vegetative 
mentally ill people, and he was able to bring a lot of them out. Um, and, and one thing he's found is oftentimes music is, is that key. They've actually found that people uh, who have certain neurological conditions like, or, or even people who've lost their ability to speak they can learn how to speak again through album lyrics. That's why I try, and I'm, I'm hoping, you know, one of these days that I've got enough album lyrics in my, in my uh, vast repository of information in my brain that, that if, if, if my language fails, that I can speak in, in song lyrics. But he found that, you know, the typical thinking about music is that a lot of people assume that there's some spot in your brain that just has to do with listening to music, and he said that's not true at all. You put somebody in an MRI chamber and you look at their brain lighting up when they're listening to music and there's like 15 or 16 different parts of your brain that light up when you listen to music. That's just listening to it. And, and so what's really going on when you hear a song, one of the reasons why it affects you in such a deep way is you're not just hearing words. You're not just hearing someone speaking. You're hearing, hearing melodies, chords. There are emotion centers in your brain and language and all these different things that are connecting and synchronizing at once to connect with you. And that's one of the reasons. You know, we, we take a good deal of time out of each week to, to, to get up and, and sing songs. And thanks for Zach and Faith for leading us this morning. And that drummer, man, phew, <laughs> but we take so much time to come together and sing. Where do you do that anywhere else in your life, right? Where do you get together with other people to just sing? But it's such a powerful thing. I actually heard somebody say one time, uh, as a pastor, <laughs> this is depressing for pastors, but as a pastor, most people are only going to remember like 10% of what you uh, say on a on a Sunday morning, uh, and that's just the hour after they leave. You know, by the next day, it's probably down to ten uh, percent of that. But the truth is, the songs that we sing over and over together in worship, those shape us in probably even much more profound ways. Have you ever found yourself you get into a a difficult situation in life, and all of a sudden a melody comes back to you from a worship song? All of a sudden, in the midst of some struggle that you're going through, some, some darkness, or even some joy, you find the melodies coming back into your mind. You find your soul singing it without even opening your mouth. Songs are powerful. Music is powerful. And I think it is interesting that out of the, the book of the Bible, which, as I've said on many occasions, the Bible's not a book. It's a collection of books, 66 books written over 1,500 years in different cultures, different languages, different times, different genres, everything from law books to history to wisdom to apocalyptic literature to gospels and epistles. And right in the middle of this wonderful book we call the Bible is a book of song lyrics. The biggest book in the Bible, y'all, is a book of song lyrics. And I think, not, not just because I'm a songwriter, but I think that's a pretty cool thing. You know, the Psalms have become known as the prayer book of the church. If you pick up uh, the Book of Common Prayer 
or prayer manuals, you'll often find that most of the quotes from the Bible actually are lifted directly out of the book of the Psalms. Because the Psalms are very different, and they function very different than the other books of the Bible. They're not didactic. They're not trying to teach you how to live, but they're getting, giving you a window into what it is like to experience God. You read the law books in Leviticus and the Old Testament, it's going to tell you, do this, don't do this. You read the wisdom books, they're going to tell you uh, the wise path is this. You're going to read the epistles of Paul, and Paul's going to give you instructions on how to live your life. But the Psalms, they don't tell you what to do. They give you a window into what an experience with God is like. And let me tell you, folks, to experience God is one of the most important things that we can do with our lives. It's one of the most important things we can focus our efforts on to experience God. There's a a Catholic theologian by the name of Karl Rahner who says this, the Christian of the future will be a mystic or will not exist at all. Now, he wrote this a few decades ago, but I believe it. I believe it. Religion, just, just having a moral grid for the world, that's better than not. You know, having some rules and some direction for your life, that, that's helpful. It's better than not having that stuff. But the thing that the Psalms invite us into is an experience with the divine. Mystic, by the way, mystical, it just means experiencing the divine. And when we read the Psalms, we're not reading somebody telling you, do this and do this and do this and God's going to bless you or do this and your marriage is going to work out. What we find is that these are people who are encountering God in good times, in bad times, and there's an honesty to them. You know, you can't, some of the Psalms are so graphic <laughs> that I, you can't even talk about them on a Sunday morning. I mean, some of the language that is used is so raw. And so some of it's not even like Jesus at all. It's like, you know, I'm not even going to say it. I'm not even going to say it because it's such a lovely day. <laughs> But there is something about the Psalms that is honest with reality. God, I'm not going to pretend like I got it all together. I'm not going to pretend like life is going great. I'm going to be honest with you about it, but I'm also going to believe that somehow in the muck, in the mire, in the hardship, in the disappointments and doubts that, God, you are there and you're going to show up. And I think that's what's so lovely about the Psalms. And as I read the Psalms, look, uh, you know, I've, I've attended, you know, seminary classes on the Bible and everything. But I really feel like when it comes to the book of Psalms, like I have some insight onto Psalms that that I'm not ever going to get at a seminary. I get it as a songwriter. Because here's something, if you're going to write a song, like Zach and Faith, y'all wrote a couple of the songs we sang this morning, right? Um, The the Chase, uh, Zach did. Mostly Zach. Faith got her one word in. (laughs) But I, I can tell you, I've been writing songs since I was in first grade. My, my first song I ever wrote that I remember, I had a crush on this girl named Stephanie Childers in first grade. And the, and the lyrical masterpiece went like this. Stephanie, I love you, I love you, I love you. Stephanie, I love you, I love you. And then repeat. <laughs> Yes, I was looked at as a child prodigy. I was the next Bob Dylan. <laughs> oh, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Get my mom out here. She'll probably tell you some songs too, yeah. 
Um, but I've written hundreds of songs in my life, and, and over 100 of the songs that I've written have been worship songs, and we sing a lot of those songs here on a Sunday morning. But I can tell you something about the process. Um, I remember I was in a songwriting competition years ago in the, in the final round of the competition. I made the finals, and they brought all these judges in from Nashville, Nashville songwriters, guys who had written hundreds, thousands of songs, who had had you know, platinum-selling things. And, and it, was, it was such a weird thing for me to realize that there's a world of people who are professional songwriters. Like, they go to work and write songs for eight hours. And there's something not terribly inspiring about that process because as a Nashville songwriter, you just, hey, you're paid to write songs, write a song, get good at it. And, and I get it. There's a skill to writing songs. But I got to tell you, when I write worship songs, it's not just, I'm going to write a good worship song today. It's coming out of my experience with the divine. It is coming out of reflecting over my own life, my own circumstances, reflecting over how I am encountering God in the midst of what I'm going through that gives rise to the songs. You know, last week, uh, I led a song here that I wrote probably back in 2000 called uh, Ruined. And the chorus is, I'm ruined for anything else. I've tasted of your unfailing love. I'm ruined for anything else i felt your touch way down in my heart. I'm ruined for anything else. I've seen a glory greater than thousands of kings. I'm ruined for anything else. You've ruined me. I can tell you, I remember when I wrote that song. I was walking around my living room at this little dump of a place we were living at over in Hammond, and I had my guitar and I was just singing out to the Lord. I was just praying out to God. And, 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 and as I'm just talking to the Lord and playing my guitar, uh, all of a sudden I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm abs- I couldn't think of a better term than I'm just messed up for anything else, God, because I've experienced your love. There is nothing else that can compare with that. And then I riffed on that for a while, and pretty soon I had a song. I wasn't trying to write a song. I was actually encountering God and just singing out with a guitar. And I believe the same thing is going on when we read the book of Psalms. I can't see David doing like the Nashville songwriter thing, like, ah, we need some more songs for this book. What we see when David writes, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me to green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul prepares a table before me, even in the presence of my enemy. His rod and staff, they comfort me. You want to know how that song was written? Here's how it was written. David was a shepherd, and he's watching a bunch of sheep. (laughs) And I can just see David at the end of the day, he pulls out his lute, and uh, he's just looking out over the sheep, and it occurs to him as he's just thinking about the sheep, he goes, you know, The same way I'm taking care of those sheep, God, you're taking care of me. I'm like your sheep, God. And then he begins to to think about that, to contemplate that. And, And what comes forth is this, one of the most familiar psalms ever. Same thing happens in the famous passage, as the deer pants for the water. This is not somebody locked up in a castle writing songs. This is somebody who's actually looking out at nature saying, Wow, see how that deer over there is thirsty in this dry, weary desert land? God, that's me. I'm that deer. There is a connection 
These songs come out of a mystical experience with the divine, out of an honesty, out of a reflection, a contemplation. And that's why they speak to us in such powerful ways. And look, I know we have a handful of songwriters in here. Maybe you're not a songwriter. It's okay. There's something we can learn from songwriters, though, and there's something we can learn from the process of what even gives us the psalms that we can all enter into. I want to read on the back of your bulletin, there is a a psalm, one of my favorite psalms. This is uh, from the message version of it. Psalm 40, I waited and waited and waited for God. At last he looked. Finally he listened. He lifted me out of the ditch, pulled me from the deep mud. He stood me up on a solid rock to make sure I wouldn't slip. He taught me how to sing the latest God song, a praise song to our God. More and more people are seeing this. They enter into the mystery abandoning themselves to God. Blessed are you who gives yourself over to God, turns your back on the world's sure thing, ignores what the world worships. The world's a huge stockpile of God wonders and God thoughts. Nothing and no one comes close to you. I started talking about you, telling what I know, and quickly run out of words. Neither numbers nor words account for you. Doing something for you, bringing something to you, that's not what you're after. Being religious, acting pious, that's not what you're asking for. You've opened my ears so I can listen. So I answered, I'm coming. I read in your letter what you wrote about me, and I'm coming to the party you're throwing for me. That's when God's word entered my life, became part of my being. I've preached you to the whole congregation. I've kept back nothing. God, you know that. I didn't keep the news of your ways a secret, didn't keep it to myself. I told it all, how dependable you are, how thorough. I didn't hold back pieces of love and truth for myself alone. I told it all, let the congregation know the whole story. Now, God, don't hold out on me. Don't hold back your passion. Your love and truth are all that keeps me together. When troubles ganged up on me, a mob of sins past counting, I was so swamped by guilt, I couldn't see my way clear. More guilt in my heart than hair on my head. So heavy the guilt that my heart gave out. Soften up, God, and intervene. Hurry and get me some help. So those who are trying to kidnap my soul will be embarrassed and lose face. So anyone who kicks, gets a, get a kick, gets a kick out of making me miserable, will be heckled and disgraced. So those who pray for my ruin will be booed and jeered without mercy. But all who are hunting for you, oh, let them sing and be happy. Let those who know what you are all about tell the world you're great and not quitting. And me, I'm a mess. I'm nothing and have nothing. Make something of me. You can do it. You've got what it takes. But God... Don't put it off. That's good stuff, huh? That's good stuff. What I what I what, what's interesting about this psalm and, and that, that we can learn just in our own life, David starts as he often starts in the psalm by remembering God, by remembering what God's done. 
You know, one of the best things you can do when you're in a place of confusion and doubt and chaos in your life, when you're anxious about the future, you're anxious about your job or or things going on in your life, one of the best things you can do is just put it on pause, go sit outside for 20 or 30 minutes and remember God. Remember what God's done for you. I've had to do this on numerous occasions in my life. I I told y'all last week, um, you know, when, when people send me a nice comment, an encouraging word, you know, like a, a text or an actual letter, uh, I'll, I'll print that thing out and I put them in a little cigar box in my office. And, and sometimes when I'm feeling discouraged, I'll, I'll read what other people have, have, have encouraged me with over the years. And, and, and sometimes that helps. But we got to do the same thing with God, too. Sometimes when you think, like, where are you, God, which is a common refrain in the, in the book of Psalms, where are you? we got to start by remembering. And David starts by remembering a time when he was in a ditch, when he'd gone off the path. He was stuck in the mud, and he waited and waited and waited, and God finally showed up, and God pulled him out of the mud. He remembered that. He remembered what that was like. Sometimes we get so discouraged by what we're going through, and the, the, one of the things we need to do is not keep trying to change the situation, but to remember God's faithfulness, to remember. I, I shared this a few months ago. At the end of my sabbatical, I, uh, I was sitting on my back porch on a Thursday morning, and um, I used to have this band many years ago. Actually, that, that song, Ruined, was a, a song from my band, Mary's Den, and um, we did like three albums, and I was kind of actually embarrassed at that time in my life a bit because, you know, when you turn 30, you look back on your 20s and you're like, who was that dude? He didn't have a clue. He was so sure of the world, thought he knew everything, but usually by the time you hit 30, you're like, oh my gosh, that guy was so deluded. And that's what I was thinking about that phase of my life, which was the, the time that I had my band from about 24 through 30. I had this band we traveled around for six years and stuff, did three albums, and I was kind of embarrassed at that period of my life, but, but there's people over the years that are like, when are you going to put those albums out online? And I'm like, so finally, like last January, I put the albums out online. And I'm sitting on the back porch in my home in Abita and talking with God one day, and I was reminded of this one song. And I was like, oh, wait, it's on Spotify. And so I put it on, and I hadn't listened to this album in years. And it was such an interesting thing to hear myself from 18 years ago tell my current self about God. As I listened to these songs that I was kind of embarrassed of at certain periods of my life, I began to hear myself sing to my current self about God. And I got to tell you, I had such an encounter with God that was reflecting on my journey. I could see that over all my years following Jesus, I've, you know, I've gotten distracted along the way, hurt along the way, disappointed along the way, times where I couldn't see God, times where I was in doubts and confusion and couldn't wake, make my way straight. But as I look back over my entire life, I could see that this thread of God was moving through it, that God was always there, even when I couldn't see it. And, and that was the weirdest thing. I'm listening to this album for like 45 minutes, and I'm crying, and so I was glad nobody was around except for the squirrels, and they're, they're pretty gracious. But there's something about remembering God in our journey. Some of you are journalers. Dina, you know, she has volumes of journals up in the attic, and it's such a cool thing. She can pull out journals from like 1997 and go, wow, this is what I was going through. And she can see. She can go, wow, I, 
this is what God was doing back then, and this is what God's doing now. This is how I conceived of my circumstances, and this is how much I've grown along the way. That's a great thing. I'm never good at journaling, though. I'm good at, you know, I, I write songs. Those are my journals. Sometimes the first thing we need to do when we get into a place of chaos and doubt and despair is to remember God, to remember God, how, God has, how, how we've experienced God throughout our lives. But the second thing is that one of the reasons why David's remembering God is because, yeah, things aren't going well. God, could you, could you do that again? Could you, could you show up? A little help now? I'm in a ditch again? That's what we see in these mystical forms of songwriting that arise to us from the Old Testament. So I say all that because today I just want to end with a little exercise that we do on occasion here at North Shore Vineyard. And, and Shane, could you pass out some pens for anybody who needs it? If you look at the front part of your bulletin today, I'm going to take you through a little exercise. And in this exercise, basically what we're trying to do is just to pay attention to our lives right now. We're going to think back over the last couple of weeks, and I'm going to ask you a, a little reflective question. We'll take a couple of minutes on each question. And as we reflect on life, we're just trying to see, what are the things that I've been thinking lately? How have I been feeling? You know, oftentimes, your physical body, I, I'm, I'm learning this quite a bit. That, you know, I read an awesome book this summer called The Body Keeps the Score. And this was a fantastic book because it, it talks about how we store memory in our physical body. There's a lot of times you experience particularly hard things or trauma in your life. You experience it more in your right brain that does not have your, the right side of your brain doesn't store things in words or narratives. It's impressions. And so you can get into certain things in your life. If you pay attention to your body, your body is going to tell you how you remember things. And I, I got to tell you, since I read that book, I've been paying attention to how I feel. And I've noticed over the past few months, there's certain situations I get into, all of a sudden, I will start feeling back pain. What's crazy is I start thinking, wow, how many months at a time in my life have I lived with this back pain thinking it had something to do with lifting something or turning the wrong way? And really, this is actually associated with a type of situation that I get in. And what is God speaking to me in that? So we're, I'm going to lead you through these reflections. We're going to think about the, the kinds of things we've been thinking about, the dominant thoughts, our dominant feelings, how our bodies have been feeling, how we've been having fun, which is quite a telling thing as well. And at the end of this exercise, we're just simply asking, what is the invitation of the Holy Spirit in this place? So this is called a spiritual location exercise because we're trying to find out where are we on the map first, <laughs> And then, what is God inviting us into? So y'all ready? I'm going to open us with a little word of prayer. And then we'll, we'll just go through this as we close today. Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now to lead us through this time of reflection, Lord, that you would bring to our minds the thoughts that we've been obsessing over, the feelings that we've been feeling. You would bring to mind how we've been feeling in our physical body, in our relationships, and how we've been experiencing you, God. We just ask for your peace and your presence to settle upon us right now, Lord.
So the first question, just to reflect over, is when you think back over the last two weeks, what have been your dominant thoughts? What's the thing that you've, been, you found, you've found yourself thinking about the most? Maybe it's the thing that keeps you up at night. Maybe it's the first thoughts that you have in the morning. Just, we're, not looking, we're not trying to look in detail. This is a bird's eye view of your life. So just ask that question. Whatever might be the first thing that pops up might actually be the main thing. So, Whoops. I'm sorry. Moving on from the dominant thoughts, what have been your dominant feelings? Think about yourself emotionally for the last two weeks. What have been the dominant feelings? And keep in mind, your feelings can be all over the place in two weeks, so you can write them all down. Moving on from your feelings, what has your body been or felt like this last couple of weeks?
moving from your physical body to your desires what have you wanted what's the strongest desires you've you've felt the last couple of weeks from desires how have you had fun in your life in the last two weeks Looking at the above answers, in a sentence, where are you? What is God doing within you in this place? final question is what is the spirit inviting you into right now This is the quick version of this. I would recommend maybe try this even later on. Wait a week and try this next week. You got the questions right here. 
But one of the ways that we can learn to experience God in our everyday life is learning how to just simply pay attention to where we actually are. Because so much of the frustration in our life is things that are just moving unacknowledged beneath the surface. And if we can be honest with those things, bring them towards God, we are moving into that same place as the psalmist. We go from just merely talking about God or dealing with God in terms of rules or rituals to an actual experience of God within our person. So Lord, help us all to hear the invitation of your spirit to recognize what you're doing in this very place in our life, Lord. Help us to live awake, attentive to our own lives and to what you're doing and what you're doing in the lives of others, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So chill in here now. Well, all right. Amen. God bless the saints. If anybody needs prayer, feel free to come up here to the front. We'd be glad to pray with you. Otherwise, y'all have a wonderful afternoon. See you next week.